You're listening to WorkWire, sponsored by Career Club and Sherm. Career Club has a range of services aimed at job seekers with an empathetic approach. Whether you are a job seeker yourself, know someone who is in job search, or an HR professional looking to bring a more empathetic approach to transitioning employees, check out career.club. If you are an HR professional seeking to enhance your skills, subscribe to Sherm and explore their extensive resources. Visit Sherm.org. That's SHRM.org. Hello, everybody. This is Bob Goodwin, and welcome to another episode of The Workwire. I'm joined here by my good friend, Johnny C. Taylor Jr., the president and CEO of Sherm. Johnny, how you doing? I'm doing really well, man. Good to see you this great day. It is good to see you as well. I hope you are feeling uh, good today and ready to talk about a fun topic. You ready to roll? It's fine. You know, with everything else going on, I'm glad that we're going to have some fun. So let's go for it. Let's do it. Okay. So recently we've been reading uh, in the paper about a phenomenon seems to be especially taking off on TikTok called Lazy Girl Jobs. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> have you seen this one? I have. I have. Of course, I cringed when I first saw it. I was like, lazy girl. Well, what happened to lazy boys? Like, but whatever. So, yes, I've watched it. For for, for those of you who are watching or listening who aren't familiar with it, this is a Gen Z phenomenon. So think uh, younger females, because as you said, Johnny, it's lazy girls. And um, but the idea is, is um, to find a kind of a cushy job pays about sixty dollars to $80,000 a year so I can pay my rent and go out to eat some, uh, but probably not making so much money that they expect me to work on the weekends or do overtime or anything like that. Uh, job titles would look like marketing assistant or a client success representative. And uh, you've got a chill boss. Uh, you can absolutely stop working at five o'clock and uh, go on to be uh, live the rest of your life and be an amazing human. Yeah. So I think that <laughs> that's the definition. Of me, Bob. There you go. <laughs> there you have it. So, but you know, even your initial response, Johnny, was what, what would be mine too. But it's like, what, really, like, really? That's how you want to self-identify. See, sort of seems like a close cousin of quiet quitting that's too, doesn't it? Issue. Yeah. Sure. So, um, but you know, it's just been around for the past couple of weeks, at least since it's been on my radar screen. And what makes it cringy to you? Well, the obvious is that to the extent one wants that kind of work-life balance, and we'll talk about that separately, uh, I always worry about anything that can be generalized or stereotyped to a group. So lazy girls. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that bothered me as the father of a now 13-year-old. So I'm going through that and, and hopefully future business person. And I have sisters and a mom. Like, I just don't know why it needs to be a lazy girl. And this isn't about you know, me trying to be politically correct. It's just why would you do that? Because all it does is adds to stereotypical kind of behavior. So again, I didn't create it. I have no ability to stop it. But that is the thing that made me cringe right away because it may begin to reinforce unintentionally some ideas that women don't want to work and that women work less. I mean, remember, we've gone, we've done a lot to achieve parity in the workplace and, and career mobility for women. Some women want to have more work-life balance, just like some men but many of them also want to pursue careers and go up the corporate ladder and are willing to make sacrifices. So that's number one. Number two is perhaps as 
cringeworthy to me when I when I heard it. It bothers me is that this we are in a very interesting spot right now where the economy, while maybe not you know slowing down as as some of the folks suggested, it is slowing down, right? And we and business leaders are having to find a way to increase productivity, to operate yeah. more efficiently, and to ultimately ensure that their companies not just survive, but thrive. So this notion that someone joins your organization with the idea that I don't want to work particularly hard. Well, I don't know about you, Bob, and maybe it's an old man's perspective on this, but one, you got to be really smart and you work hard. At the end of the day, I don't know anything else that really drives success at scale, but that. So business leaders are, are rightly now looking and saying, do I want someone who says to me up front, I don't want to take weekend calls at five o'clock sharp. It stops. I want to work fully remotely. I essentially want you to pay me to do what I want to do on my terms. Not cool. So those two things bother me. Who in God's green earth thinks it's a good idea to hire someone who admits that they are lazy? Yeah. So a couple of things, uh, you know, my background is consumer insights and yeah, I love it because it's really like what makes people tick at the end of the day. And that's what marketers are always trying to figure out. Right. And I don't know if you remember this, but a few years ago, there was a, a video that went very viral called like a girl. Yes. Yeah, right. And yep. so they showed uh, like a five or six year old girl throw a baseball. That's right. Right. You know, and, and she did great. And then they asked a 13 year old boy, throw like a girl saying, uh, like, yeah, it was terrible. And, and then they even showed a 13 year old girl. What does it mean to throw like a girl or hit like a girl? It's like, uh, right. And so to your first point, this stereotypical of reinforcing things that people have worked decades to dispel That's right. these kinds of stereotypes, unfair, wrong stereotypes. It's like, Look, I, I get being controversial, and if you want to, you know, really drive a lot of viewers on TikTok, you know, you need to do what other people aren't doing. That doesn't seem particularly helpful. Yeah. And then I think about uh, some Pepsi executives that I had the pleasure of meeting several months ago, who wrote a book called Band of Sisters, and they're talking about all the microaggressions that they have endured and, and continue to to see in the workplace that women have to put up with that men don't. So an example would be, John, if you met the new girl in accounting, you would never say the new boy in accounting, no. but the new girl in accounting. Or after a meeting, you know, the office housework of picking up the bagel mess and whatever's there, the guys walk out and just sort of assume the females are going to take care of all that stuff. So yeah, and I too have a daughter who's a little bit older than yours and is in the professional world and seemingly has to work not not only not lazy but twice as hard to be at parity with her male colleagues and so you know first of all i'm just with you like all the labeling you know drives me insane but god bless her she's got 18 million views on tiktok well but that that frankly is the most troubling part of it right is that 18 million people are influenced by that because if this were you know, someone who in their kitchen wanted to say this and to their five or 10 friends and it was an inside joke, great. But if it has any chance of really becoming a thing and reinforcing stereotypes, then that's bad, 
I mean, that, 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 and I'm prepared to say that this, I'm not saying the person is bad because I don't know her, but I would say to you that this notion, when you have that much influence, you've got to be really careful and responsible with it. I'm going to use, I mean, who would want, you know, lazy black jobs or lazy Hispanic jobs or lazy gay people jobs? Like nobody wants that. That's absurd. Yeah. And so I just would say, now we can get to the merits of what she's getting at. But sometimes words matter. They really do matter. And so frankly, back to your question, what made me cringe is there had to be a better way to do this than to generalize, uh, you know, this to to women. And and that that bothers me. Yeah. And and, and as it should, I suppose. Um, The the one thing, and this might be a little counterintuitive, and I think you were starting to, to hint at this, that is admirable about this is this work-life integration, work-life balance, and, you know, maybe seeing uh, one's parents just be all about their job. Like right. dad's never home. He's, he's just all about his job. And, you know, it's, and then he got laid off. So like, like was that really worth it? So right. he like sacrificed all the family time and now isn't, and wasn't at home. And the thank you he got for doing all of that was a pink slip. Right. And so you know, finding out, well, maybe my job isn't my whole life and, and that there's got to be some balance. Or as I like my friend, Dr. Andy Garrett talks about integration, right. right? Like, like they're, they're not in conflict with each other, actually. And you can actually hate your flow state when, when your life and your work align with That's one right. another and they aren't in conflict. But, but the notion of at least not being completely consumed by work, unless that's your choice. I mean, that's everybody right. gets to make a choice, right? And yeah. if that's what you want to do and that's your identity and what gives you joy, awesome. Go, a lot of entrepreneurs pour their life and soul into something because it's something that they genuinely believe in or passionate about, think they're doing a good for society, the world, whatever. Awesome. But if you're in a job that you kind of don't care about, right. isn't exciting you, and you're basically waiting for the whistle to blow so you don't have to you know, be there anymore. Maybe there's a different choice here. And it's not about being lazy. It's just about better choices. Well, and, and better choices on so many levels. It's, boy, this is one I'm going to have a lot of fun with because, you know, on one hand, I respect the person who says, I want to put in place, you know, what I, whatever balance is to me. And I don't want to work. 12-hour days, and I won't do this, et cetera. But that same person has to then fully appreciate the consequences over time that come from that. So if you're comfortable making sixty dollars to $80,000, which, by the way, is a handsome amount of money, anyone, it bothered me. Like if you said to me, I thought they were going to say that makes me twenty-five to forty, and right. that's straight off. But sixty to eighty is a lot of money. We should be very clear. These are not poorly paid jobs that you're looking for. But let's say you do that. Pick the number. If you do that for 10 years, then you can't turn around and complain that about not being able to pay for your kid's education or not being able to take a family vacation or not having money in the bank. See, that's the problem in your bank account and having a, you know, an emergency fund. You know, I say this to my colleagues all the time who come in and I've had some throughout my career. I need to make more money. Why? 
or no, the statement goes this way. You need to pay me more money. And I said, why? <laughs> and then it's like, because I'm spending more money. And I said, how about you control what you spend? If you get up in the morning and buy a $7 latte in the morning and in the evening go have a $20 martini and you make all of these choices, living this life of luxury, you know, the way I grew up is if you want those things, then you've got to pay for those things. You can't have it all. And some of that is what we're seeing play itself out in the workplace where I want the life that you live and I want to work the hours that I want to work. And the two just aren't working. That's not how this works. So Mm -hmm. that's part of the number. As I say, if you make the decision to pursue a certain career, then live with the consequences of that decision. There's some upsides to it. There's some downsides to it. And that's true of everything. When I joined, I started my career in a major law firm. And I knew the day that I got there that these people were paying me a ridiculous amount of money for a 23-year-old who knew not a whole bunch. I had a law degree, but I had no experience at all. Today, these same law firms, the law firm that I came, they're paying $180,000 a year starting salary to a 23-year-old. Okay, got it. If you believe for one second that that law firm is concerned about your work-life balance, you're wrong. It's just that's not how this works. There's a trade-off, right? And for many of us, if you're paying off student loans, if you're taking care of parents, et cetera, you make a conscious decision, right, to take that job. You say it's going to ultimately give me the pedigree that I need to get to the long-term job. Whatever you do, just map it out. But this notion that I can have everything I want right away, long-term, it's going to work out is naive. And ultimately you got to pay for it. Yeah. So th- things have to get paid for. There was an interesting commentary that I read by Susie Welch. Yes. Um, yeah. And, yes. and yeah, I was going to start off by saying Jack Welch's widow, but she stands on her own merit. She doesn't. No, that's why I don't say that anymore. I used to say Jack Welch's widow. So, yes. so I'll apologize as the words come out of my mouth, but she's, she's a professor at NYU and uh, a very strong business leader, author, everything in her own right. And her take on this, which I thought was really interesting, was one, we kind of fostered this. If if Gen Z, if you're the parent of a Gen Zer, yeah. well, where did where did this sense of you know her word entitlement come from, first of all, right? Because helicopter parents and we don't want you to feel any pain and we want everything to be as easy for you as possible because we love you. And don't want you to hurt or feel anything that, that feels discomfortable, then you know, we foster some of that. And then two is and this is a much broader topic, but the general notion of mental wellness yes. and that people feel a lot of you know what I think some people call stress, other people call anxiety, but sort of this general feeling of uncertainty. And then clearly, you know, the pandemic contributed a lot to that in a major way. But but there's always been something going on. So you know, pick a time. There's always, yeah, there's always, always been something going on, you know. But, but the fact is, is that it's stress can be good. Hunger can be good, right? Hunger motivates you. That's stress, true. I've had... I feel stress of the fear of failure. That motivates me, right, right? to to continue to give my best effort, you know, my best thinking, my best time, my best energy, because I don't want to fail. 
Is that a, is that a kind of stress? hundred percent, hundred percent. You look at people that take sales jobs that yes. are very commission oriented. You know, that, that is a, either you, you know, you, you kill eat something you today to eat it, or you don't eat today. Your Simple. choice, you know, it's stressful or really rewarding, depending on how you want to think about it. So I'm curious how you sort of react to, A, we bred them, and two, is, you know, stress is, is in mental wellness is part of the puzzle here. That's right. So, so two things. One, there's no question. Every time I see and, and, and see one of these kids, I look to their parents. I almost can't blame the kid in some ways, you know, some 22 year old who feels this way. I'm like, I'm more upset with your parents than I am with you because you, with you, because you, we created this, my generation, your generation has probably created a lot of this. And a, a lot of it is we wanted rightly the world to be better for our children, their experiences to be better than some of the decisions and experiences that we have. Yes. Got it. But we overcorrected. I, I really fundamentally believe that there was an overcorrection that has occurred. And I worry about the implications, the long-term impacts of that. So there is dignity in work, fundamentally. And we've got to Amen. start with that. We have gone through this, this moment where we've kind of vilified work. I was talking with some of my colleagues the other day, and this woman in particular was bragging about the fact that her kid uh, completed high school and college and never had a job. And she thought that was a badge of honor. She never had to work. I said, I'm not sure that's a good thing. <laughs> said, you know, because there's a lot that comes with work. Having earned your own money, you now value it more than mom or dad having given you that money. The life lessons that you learn, you know, flipping burgers, cleaning tables, washing cars, cutting lawn, whatever it is, there is dignity in all of this. And it's a part of socialization. So perhaps if you're, you know, trust fund baby, it doesn't matter. But but for the overwhelming majority of us in society, getting some practice at work before you show up at 24 years old, having completed a bachelor's degree, is probably a good thing because that's what builds strong character and I think ultimately builds stronger careers. So, so we've got to get back to this issue of there's dignity in work. Work is not a bad thing. You, you know, you got to get it right. Have we overcorrected though? Secondly, in some ways, working all of your life, working to work, if that was your life, if that was your parents' life, I can understand you being concerned about that. But that doesn't mean I'm going to stop at five o'clock every day because life doesn't stop at five o'clock every day. I wonder if any of it, Johnny, is first of all, I want to go back to, to uh, the dignity of work. Yes. You know, if you just totally get into the DNA of your organization, it's all yes. about work. Everything yes. has to do with work. Yes. That, that's a pretty good value statement to, right. to, to be grounded in. And, and there is dignity in work a hundred percent. But, but the, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, for, for Gen Zers who are coming through uh, an era where there's PPP, right? right? And yep. so here's just money coming from heaven, right? You know, and here it is, and it just keeps showing up. And, oh, that student loan that you've got, yep. not a problem. You don't got to pay it back. And, and whatever universal income, I mean, all sorts of the things that say, well, actually, there aren't consequences right. to not working That's because right. I've got this giant net 
under me, also spelled mom and dad often, right? That, that actually I don't have a consequence here. And I wonder if some of that feeds into whether, the, whether it could be articulated or not, that's the reality of a generation that's grown up around these sorts of programs. And it just doesn't stop there. As an HR practitioner, I can tell you, we would have people come in. I, mean, I had parents calling to ask me about their kid's performance and why the kid got, you know, a, his manager gave him a horrible performance evaluation. I said, no, no, no. He earned a horrible <laughs> performance evaluation. I said, and, but here's the irony. Why am I talking to you? Your son <laughs> is an adult, right? I didn't have you in the interview, so why the hell am I even like, how dare you do this? So we've mm-hmm. created, I think you're absolutely right. And, and when people hear me say this, understand, I'm not talking about the unusual circumstance. This has become a little bit of a norm. I don't want my kid to have any stress. Really? Any, right? None? And I don't want them to at any moment feel less than. Well, to your point, sometimes feeling less than can be a motivator because I want that office over there. I want this title. I want this money. Like we have just, and I know it comes from a good place. As a father, I know we want the best for our children. But I've said this time and time again, at the end of the day, we can't expect our children to be better than we are if they haven't experienced many of the things that we experienced because we're products of those tough times, those tough where you had to make a decision, fork in the road, you didn't know if left or right, but you had to make a decision. And if you happen to go take the wrong fork, you doubled back and figured it out and then got back on the right track. These are all parts of us developing as successful human beings. So and success doesn't always mean money. Success doesn't always mean title. It doesn't mean this. Right? I get the idea of balance um, in the sense that you want to be a whole person. It's not all about identifying and measuring your worth based upon what you do. But hard work matters no matter what you do. Can I tell you a quick story? So I was, um, I was talking to, let's just say someone I know I was dating and and we were talking about it and she said, you just work too hard. You just work too hard and you travel too much. And I said, a couple of weeks later, I intentionally did this. I said, wouldn't it be kind of cool if you were, you know, other than me, you know, if you'd married an NBA player or a baseball player? And she said, gosh, that, you know, I love you. But yeah, that would have been cool. Da, da, da. And I said, do you know how much they travel? <laughs> You travel a lot and you can't just call up and say, I know we've got a game or a match in New York this week, but I want balance and I'm not showing up this day. It doesn't work that way. Right. <laughs> so we we like to celebrate the people who have these really successful careers. Beyonce, when she's touring with three kids or whatever, like she's got, there's no work-life balance. I mean, it is what it is. She gets home when that concert's over and that might be one o'clock in the morning and the kids are asleep and someone's got to provide and take care of those kids during that period of time. We have to remember that work is the way it happens for the overwhelming majority of human beings. And once we bring that concept through, Bob, we're going to be good. So let's land back on this lazy girl jobs. Like aside from the fact that I hate, I hate what it's called. I just think that we've there's no way a society should get excited about lazy, right? Lazy is one thing. There has to be a better way to say, I'm looking for a way not to be totally obsessed with work, but I'm not lazy. Lazy is never good. Yeah. Lazy implies a lack of motivation. 
And again, back to work has dignity. You actually feel sorry for the person because they haven't found dignity in work yet. That's you true. Know, one quality, though, that uh, in a career club, we work a lot with our clients on this is resilience. Yes. Life is about bouncing back. Yes. It never goes the way that we think that it is. There's a giant gap between should and is always. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, and, and it's how you respond in those times that really defines your character, right? And, right. and yet as parents, and I'm a parent of four, and I'm amazed they all came from the same factory, by the way. Because <laughs> we did produce four different models <laughs> with the same supply chain. So I'm not totally sure how that happened, but that's what we got. But, you know, it, it's when we, to, to your point, we're the product of our experiences, and, and when you go through something, you learn about yourself, you, you develop habits, qualities. It's just like weightlifting. It's the resistance of the weight that makes the muscle. Yep. You know? yep. And, and well, it's the resistance of life. Life pushes back. That's right. Life is mostly a headwind, not a tailwind. All day. And then it's pushing through that. And in the, the lazy part, ultimately it's sad. Oh, right. Please. Because these are unfulfilled. I mean, look, if if you're like, look, work, I want to be a part time worker. It's not that important to me, by the way. 60 to 80 K is a lot of money. I completely right. agree with that. I'm cool with making 28, not 58. All right. Good on you. Um, but it's a trade off that you're making. And if you're doing something else, that gives you joy and fulfillment. That's awesome. But, but, but lazy implies to me some getting away with something. There's a wink, wink quality to it that I'm pulling one over on them and they don't even know it. And that's what yeah. makes it so troubling is first of all, we do know there's all sorts of ways that we know. And more importantly, your colleagues know, no, it's not just management doesn't want you to be lazy. Hell, the person next to you, to your left and your right, doesn't want you to be lazy because that means they've got to pick up the slack. So this is like universally a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, let me just tell you, it is the way it works. And the more we can get people, not just to change the words, because, you know, someone could say, okay, we're not going to call it lazy. We're going to call it something else. It's this concept, this concept of not being willing to get the job done, to mm -hmm. do what it takes to get the job done is concerning. It, it really is. No judgment here. Yes, that, yes. Let me correct. There is judgment here because we are we have a wonderful country and I'm sure we have listeners who are in other parts of the world. But at the end of the day, we are a capitalistic society. And I know some words, some people think that's a bad thing, but we have a very, very high quality life here in the United States. And the person who says money doesn't matter, but who says, but I need to make 60 to $80,000 has admitted by definition that money matters. Because mm -hmm. then how about doing it for free? Be lazy and get zero. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, again, you know, just at a very human level, you know, and there's a level of immaturity and you've got to go through some yeah. life. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine, and I know he didn't make this up. It's one of my favorite lines, which is good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. And, and so, you know, young people, by definition, haven't seen everything. But in the moment, I'm sad for them because they're not getting fulfillment, probably, from what they're doing. 
But in the long term, as you said, they're sowing seeds of a drought. Yes. That there's not going to be something in the barn on another day because they were very short-sighted in the near term that isn't going to allow them the freedom and the flexibility to do the things that they really think that they want to do as they become more mature adults. And that's sad. And it's so, so let me just say this. I think I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I'm going to ask you a question. I, I'll be able to keep my question. You go. Okay. No, no, I was just saying, I think at the, at the end of the day, we have to appreciate this is, I read something the other day that said we have not had a decade without a recession in like modern history. We didn't, but we haven't had an economic downturn since 2008. That's 15 years. That means you have a whole generation of people, Generation Z for sure, and many of the millennials who've never ever experienced an economic downturn. Mm -hmm. So I think part of this is we are, this is the, the outcome of having not had some dips in the economic cycle. And when you don't have it, people haven't experienced it. The reason, uh, you know, what they call the greatest generation was so great is because they experienced the Great Depression. The reason many, you and I, we lived through 2008 when you didn't know if you'd have a job, when your house was worth half of what it was. We lived in this era when interest rates weren't, we weren't belly aching about 7% interest rates. We were talking about 17% interest rates, mm -hmm. right? It's just, if you've had a prolonged period where you have not faced any resistance, then you're not strong. And I love your analogy, the parallel that you drew to going into the gym. You know, you have got, if you, there's stress, when you lift something that's heavy, that is stress. But the only way one gets stronger is to, right, push against that stress and, and that physical stress and you, you develop your muscles. Well, our muscles have atrophied in a big way as a society. And then you have children who've never developed the muscles at all. And I say children, they're 40 year olds who remember the last time we had an economic decline, they were in college. So, and you know, someone fed you, someone housed you, someone, right? You just didn't experience this. And I think that's, that's what worries me most is that when the big one comes, we're going to have people who've never developed those muscles and they just can't cope. How would you, how would you talk to leaders, like team leaders, group leaders uh, of, if, if somebody's sort of demonstrating this attitude these behaviors of this right. lazy girl job mentality as leaders, what can we do to, yes. to help, you know, folks see that maybe this may not be the optimal choice for you? Well, that's it. And so I'm glad you asked that because in short one, we've got to talk about it. Just as we talk about everything else, we should be transparent with our employees. When someone is lazy or is not pulling, carrying that, we've got to be very, very honest with them. And not in a horrible way initially. <laughs> you can get pretty aggressive with them, but start with like, let me just call out what I'm observing with you. At five o'clock at 445, you're racing to the elevator. Let me tell you how that makes the rest of us feel. So that's one. Secondly, you've got to put people in situations where they are feeling the stress. And it's not to punish them, but so that they can experience it. In other words, if I'm weightlifting, you know, I'll spot you. 
but ultimately I've got to put you under some stress. So I think we've got to stop in the workplace protecting people or we're engaging in the very behavior that we complained about their parents engaging in. Like you've not, when I say to an employee, I'll work all weekend, don't worry. You know, we got a big project due. You just go out and enjoy your friends. I will take it on and finish this off for you. You're not doing that person any favor. So I believe in putting people in stressful And I'm not talking about harmfully stressful situations, but stressful situations so that they can build the strength to be resilient, as you've described. And then thirdly, and this really matters, is you've got to reward the people who are doing it right and be prepared not to reward the people who aren't. You can't give everyone the trophy. When I'm giving out bonuses, I reward the people who work hard and the people who don't don't get a bonus or get a very small bonus. That's what we've got to do. As managers, we can do that. Call it out, create situations, simulations, real life experiences where people are experiencing healthy stress and then reward people who power through it and do what they need to do because that which is rewarded will be repeated. And if you just give it to everyone and everyone here were one big kumbaya, well, you weren't there at seven o'clock. You left at five. So why do you think you should be compensated the same? Well, one, one kind of warning that I would give to leaders who do not take that very sage advice is the fastest way to run off A players is to tolerate C players. All day. All day. All day. Yes. A players do not want to be around mediocrity. Yep. And if you want to build a culture of mediocrity, you know, in for, for whatever reason that, that sounds good or you think you're helping, yep. but this is one of those cases where when helping hurts – when you tolerate that and you do not, as you, you said, talk about it and then put some people under some stress and then what you say, reward the yes. performance. Yes, when we don't do those things, if I am a performer, it tells me you don't want me here. This is not the right culture for me and for me to grow in my talent and to, to be able to find fulfillment in work. So I'm going to take that and bring it somewhere else that does reward it. And if you guys want to be a magnet for mediocrity, okay. Good luck with that. (laughs) Yeah, let's see how that works out for you because it's not going to, we know. But I I think that I I really appreciate what you said, though, about like, and and this, we could pick any topic, as you said, and it would always be the same thing. Talk about it. You know, and I like how you said it, too. This is how it makes me feel when I see this. That's right. Right. That's right. Because again, nobody can argue how you feel. You feel how you feel. That, gotcha. That's a fact in and of itself. So, so transparent, honest, respectful communication. Yep. Then create an environment for them to be successful. Yep. And then rewarding the effort when they put it forward. I, I think that's a beautiful model. And if people choose as adults to not opt in, then by definition, they've opted out. And again, that's okay. Everybody's got the right to lead their life the way they want it. Just know that that's probably going to bear some fruit down the line that you may not find quite as sweet as if you had put forth the effort early. Yeah, very simply, I, I often say to my management team, the other part, and you know, empathy is a big part of my language and something I believe in from leadership. But I do say, after anyone listened to this, when I'm managing a younger generation, I do try to think about my 25-year-old self. <laughs> we all once were 25, 30, right? 
And so it helps if the frustration can be you want them to think and process like you do at 40 or 50. In the process of having those conversations, do try to put yourself empathetically back in your 25-year-old self. They have limited experiences and some have no experience if their parents didn't expose them to work and what comes with work. So it is critical that you use all of this. There has to be a level of empathy throughout the entire process. And again, that's why I point out 15 years, you have people who have never had any real resistance. They've not met resistance. And so therefore they're not prepared to be resilient. So I think, and that will benefit us. It's easy to say it's not our problem, but this is our future workforce. We need them to be better. So being very intentional about those three things that I discussed that you summarized beautifully is the way to solve for this lazy girl phenomena. And we can also just try and change the name. (laughs) Because words matter. Lazy boys, let me just tell you. (laughs) Words matter. Well, I love the words that you shared with us today. I've, I've enjoyed, as always, our conversations, Johnny. Look forward to checking in with you next week on a, the next episode of The Workwire. But in the meantime, wish you well. And thank everybody for taking a few minutes to listen in today. And we'll see you on the next episode. Workwire. <laughs> Check out career.club for personalized help with your job search. Visit shrm.org to become part of the largest human resources organization worldwide.